the children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children children's bible journey with stories and songs just for kids we have a dramatized bible story coming up but let's get today's program started by singing praises to our awesome god You can't win a battle with a horn 
Oh, silly Joshua, you can't win a battle with the horn. Jesus. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Saul, chosen of the Lord, great, mighty, wise, and just king of Israel, approaches and sits upon his throne. Long live the king! Long live the king! Jonathan, come and stand by my side, here at my right side. Yes, Your Majesty. At my right, 
Now stands my eldest son, Jonathan, who is heir to the throne of Israel, upon which I now sit. By the laws and customs of ascension, he shall be your next king. There is among us, however, a man who aspires to be king in his stead. He plots, he lies, schemes, he even murders. He will stop at nothing to become king. This I shall prevent with your help. Every one of you shall do all in the power of your position as members of my court to bring this man's plots, yes, even his life, to an immediate end. That is a command. This aspirant to the throne of Israel is but a lowly man. He started life as a shepherd, a poor shepherd, who has, by sinister, diabolical means, won the heart of my daughter, Michael, and is my son-in-law. I command you, all of you, to hunt down and kill on sight David, son of Jesse. But father, surely... There is no exception to this. You, Jonathan, my son, are included. I order you to kill David on sight without quarter or mercy! David, Prince Jonathan, what brings you here? I've been looking for you. I wanted to find you before any of the others did. I'm honored, Your Highness. Why, aren't we still friends? You're my best friend, Jonathan. I love you, respect, and honor you above all other men. Huh. You sounded so... So formal. <laughs> and you, Jonathan, my friend, sounded so stern and unfriendly. Well, so cross. I was worried lest something had come between us to threaten our friendship. Oh, no, no, David. Nothing like that shall ever happen. But, David, you must hide immediately. Hide? From whom? The king, all his court, everyone. They're all out to kill you. Uh Kill me? Why? My father is angry and has ordered your execution. But why? Oh, I wish I knew the answer. But he is openly out to get you. Claims it's to prevent you from becoming king instead of me. Although I'm sure it is simply because God no longer can bless him. The evil one completely controls his every thought and action. Was there anything I can do to help? Yes, hide. Hide quickly when no one will find you until I've had a chance to talk with father and plead for your life. Oh, please, David, please. Oh, as you wish, Jonathan. I'll talk with Father tonight. Oh, surely I can persuade him to revoke the order. We'll meet right here in the morning. Agreed? Agreed, my friend. Oh, thank you, David. Thank you. I'll see you in the morning. But why do you plead for David's life? Know you not that he seeks the throne that rightfully belongs to you? I ask only, Father, that you remember the many things David has done to preserve the honor. Oh, yes, even the life of Israel. Uh, he has many times literally risked his life and uh, wrought great salvation from the Philistines. Uh, he has never done anything, not one thing, against you or Israel, and you know it, Father. Uh, what terrible guilt would rest upon you were you to murder the one whom God himself has chosen to be his anointed? Well, you... you plead eloquently, my son. And you are right. 
As the Lord liveth, David shall not be slain. I'll tell David the good news. It is good, good to have you back, David, my son. It's good to be back, Your Majesty. You, uh... You led the army to a mighty victory against the Philistines. Now, the victory was the Lord's, Your Majesty. Yes, but the people acclaimed you the victor. The Lord blessed my efforts, that's all, Your Majesty. Yet the people praise your wisdom and heroism. You realize, of course, that I am king... That I am the real leader of the army, that I am the true hero. Of course, Your Majesty. Of course, Your Majesty. Ah, 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 armor bearer, hand me my javelin. I'll show David I am the king. I missed him! Javelin at you? Yes, but the angel of the Lord protected me, and I escaped from the palace and came directly home. Oh, an evil spirit controls Father more every day. And he won't give up, David. He'll continue until he succeeds in slaying you. Spies? Soldiers? They're surrounding our house. But, Michael, the Lord has chosen me as the next king of Israel, and God's purpose cannot be defeated. But you must do your part. You believe that, don't you? Yes. Well, then get up and escape while the night is still dark. How? Where to? The spies are watching the doors. I know. I'll let you out an upper window. You can go to the prophet Samuel at Ramah. Well, certainly Father holds sacred the abode of the prophet and won't send soldiers there. Welcome to Ramah, David, my son. It's good to see you again, sir. I've heard the terrible things that transpire at the palace. But it's quiet and peaceful here. Surely the king will not invade this sacred place. Don't even think about it, David, my son. I fear not the king's displeasure. So stay, my son, and enjoy the peace of nature and the lessons we can learn from it. not even the sacred abode of the prophet Samuel was out of bounds to the darkened mind of the desperate king. David's connection with Samuel aroused even further the jealousy of the king. Consequently, he sent officers to arrest David and bring him back to Gibeah, where he intended to carry out his murderous design. Bring him back here at once. Yes, your majesty. Oh, try to escape me, will he? I'll show him. Oh, I can't wait to see the horror on his face when he's tortured and finally killed. <laughs> Hey, General, that the officers you sent to get David suddenly began prophesying? Yes, Your Majesty. When they approached Rama, they suddenly forgot their mission and joined the prophet. Send more officers now. Have them bring David directly to me. Second. 
second embassy of officers joined the prophets too? Yes, sir. Uh... Send a third group. This time send your most hardened and toughened officers. David cannot escape my fury. <laughs> Even the third group prophesied. Yes, your majesty. What's happening in Ramah? Uh, the spirit of the Lord comes upon them, sir. And they obey God's will, not uh, yours. So that's it. Well, I know how to stop that. Prepare the royal chariot and retinue. I myself will go to Ramah and personally arrest David. <laughs> we'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at one 800 634-0234 Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. Thank you for singing so beautifully. Okay, Kids Bible Club, tonight we continue to hear from our members about their favorite Bible text. Henry, I think it's your turn this week. Thanks, Pastor Perez. My favorite Bible text is the very first one in the Bible, Genesis 1-1. Okay, let's all open our Bibles to that passage. Henry will read the text and then tell us why it's important to him. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow, Henry, very impressive reading. I wanted to sound like one of those preachers on TV. And you did. So tell us, why is that verse so important to you? Because of monkeys. (laughs) Hey, Henry, been looking in the mirror lately? Thank you, Hannah. Let's let Henry talk now. You'll get your turn. Yeah, Hannah, let's let Henry talk. Anyway, the other day I was reading about monkeys and dinosaurs, and the book said that dinosaurs roamed the Earth millions of years ago and that humans were once monkeys. Some still are. Thank you, Hannah. (laughs) But the text and the other texts in Genesis say that we didn't come from monkeys. God created us. I like that better. I'd much rather have been created by someone who loves me instead of just becoming me after I was a monkey or something strange like that. Well put, Henry. I agree. God is our creator. Genesis 1-1 reminds us of that fact. Give Henry a big hand for his great reading and lesson. (laughs) Oh, very funny. 
Jesus wants to be our friend. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story is One Friendly Voice. Ken stirred the bubbling cereal while Marianne kept whining, When's my cereal going to be ready, Kenny? In a minute, Marianne. What can I get for you, Mom? Ken looked at his mother, where she lay on the sofa. Her black eyes seemed too large for her small white face. It seemed unusual to have Mom so quiet. Most mornings, she was flying around getting breakfast and prodding pokey Marianne into hurrying so that she could take her to Grandma's on the way to work. Now Mom closed her eyes and said softly, Don't bother getting me anything now. I'll be hungry later. Then she began coughing again. The doctor had called it severe bronchitis and said Mom needed a rest. Ken set the cereal on the table and gave it a final stir. He squared his broad shoulders. Somehow he would have to help Mom get well. His black eyes shone with determination. Come on, Marianne, let's eat. Then I'll have to get to school. You'll have to take care of Mom while I'm gone. Sure, I can take care of her. Marianne chattered on while Ken thought about his problems. This evening he would have to do some laundry. He had put on his last pair of clean jeans this morning. Mom just wasn't able to rinse the clothes and hang them outdoors. He'd give a lot for a clothes dryer like Dan Jenkins' mother had, but things hadn't been easy for them since Daddy died. Mother had a good job, but a secretary didn't earn enough for such luxuries as automatic washers and dryers. Ken really didn't mind doing laundry. It wasn't such hard work. What bothered him was that some of the boys might see him outdoors hanging up the clothes. He was sure they'd think he was a sissy. Ken knew that Dan Jenkins wouldn't be caught dead helping his mother. He sighed. If word got around that he was doing women's work, he wouldn't get very many votes when the boys chose the pitcher for their softball team. Maybe he could hang the clothes indoors. But no, there wasn't enough room. One short line in the bathroom wouldn't hold more than a few of Marianne's little dresses. Ken felt tired all day. He missed five problems in math, which was his favorite subject. He struck out three times when they played softball. By the middle of the afternoon, his head was drooping and his feet dragged. When he finally got home, Mom was still lying on the sofa trying not to cough. He took her her medicine and asked, Did you eat anything at all today, Mom? Oh, yes. Mom tried to smile and look bright. Marianne fixed me two pieces of toast, and I ate them both, didn't I, Marianne? Yes, she did, the little girl nodded, but I had to scold her pretty hard or she wouldn't have. Mom, you're not getting well fast enough. When do you go back to the doctor? Ken felt bowed down with cares. In a day or so, Mom said and closed her eyes again. Well, I'll have to do some laundry. All my jeans are dirty. Where's the soap, Mom? Oh, Ken, I wish you didn't have to. I should have sent the things out to the laundry. Ken wished he'd gone looking for the soap himself. This was just one more thing for Mom to worry about. Don't worry, Mom, he said. I'm sure I can do it. I used to help you last summer, remember? 
Mom smiled a little. Yes, I remember you never hung out the clothes. You always preferred staying in the basement with a washing machine. I'll have to hang up clothes tonight, Ken sighed again. Then, armed with a soap and carrying a big basket full of dirty laundry, he started to the basement. Marianne tagged along, offering all sorts of helpful advice. Don't put in too much soap, Kenny. Be sure the clothes are clean, Kenny. Until Ken felt like throwing a blanket over her head. The washing part wasn't too bad. Ken remembered to sort the clothing, although he did absentmindedly throw a white t-shirt in with his blue jeans. It came out a dirty blue-gray. Then Ken was ready to hang out clothes. He picked up the heavy basket and slung the clothespin bag over his shoulder. Well, here goes, he thought. I hope all the neighbors are indoors watching television or something. But Ken knew the boys usually went by his house on their way to practice softball. He would have to miss practice this afternoon. Jim Carson had said he'd stop for him, but Ken had told him not to. Jim was one of the most popular boys around. Ken had hoped someday to claim him as a friend. At the clothesline, he picked up one of Marianne's dresses and pinned it firmly. He worked fast. Several times, he looked over his shoulder to see whether someone was watching. I feel like a thief, he realized guiltily. What have I got to be ashamed of? I'm only helping my mother. But these thoughts did not keep him from jumping when he heard Dan's sing-song voice. Well, if it isn't Mommy's little boy playing housewife. Ken kept on hanging up the clothes, but he felt a tight sickness inside his stomach. And turning to face Dan, he felt even worse. With Dan were most of the boys on the softball team. Some were grinning with scorn. Jim Carson stood in the background. Playing housewife, one of them giggled. Ken felt a hard knot of disappointment form inside. He would never be a pitcher for this softball team. He stood there for a moment with his head down while a few of the boys went on making insulting remarks. Then he finished hanging up the clothes and hurried back into the basement. How was he going to live for the next few weeks while mother was ill? At the supper table, he tried to act cheerful. He thought he was putting up a pretty good front until mom said, You look tired, Ken. Why not go to bed and rest? Maybe tomorrow will be brighter. Ken sighed. Maybe mom was right. He went to bed and dreamed that he socked Dan in the jaw. In the dawn, he almost wished he really had. On the way to school, Jim Carson fell into step beside him. Ken kept his head down, waiting for Jim to tease him about yesterday. Jim cleared his throat. Mom told me that your mom is sick, he began. Ken nodded. He wished Jim would say what he wanted to and then leave him alone. Jim cleared his throat again. Ken looked up and saw that Jim's blue eyes were sober. It must be rough for you with your mom not able to work. Oh, it's not so bad, Ken's voice was gruff. Sympathy was the last thing he'd expected. I just wanted to tell you that you can bring your laundry to our house. Jim hurried on, talking so fast his words tumbled into each other. Mom said she'd help out until your mother is better. Then you'd have more time to practice, since you'll be our new pitcher. What? Had he heard correctly? The new pitcher? Ken couldn't help smiling. I'll tell my mother, he agreed. He walked faster. It would be nice to have someone else do the laundry, but right now he felt able to do anything by himself. Strange what one friendly voice could do to you. The 
The story you've heard today was first published as part of the Vacation Bible School program in the book God's World by the Review and Herald Publishing Association and the General Conference Sabbath School Department. If you are interested in any other products published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.